the journey is finally complete. From the bottom to the top, Rangers are champions of Scotland. So much pressure on his shoulders. Not that you would ever guess it. A critical goal as Wickham try and try and chart away to an improbable second season in the championship. He's through the Hello and welcome to the Hopeless Wonder podcast with me, Adam Gipke and Andy McBride. And if you're watching with us right now live, say hello and have your say as we go along. So no Craig this week, but Andy, obviously we have to talk about the shithousery by Chris Woods and the meowing. So uh, <laughs> where does that rank in terms of your shithousery history? Uh, but more importantly, mate, how are you doing as well? I'm doing good. Um, I think in terms of topical shithousery, uh, it's definitely up there. Like, you know, shithousery <laughs> comes in diff- many, many different forms, but topical shithousery, you love to see it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love the memes and the reaction after hearing about that. Oh, story. the the, me- the meme since it's all, since the whole cat thing has kicked off has been wildly entertaining <laughs> definitely has especially the one that i shared with you about the choir boys doing the meowing, but that was uh top of the table when it came to it anyway um this pod is dedicated to our ukrainian listeners believe it or not on this pod we do have some ukrainian listeners so uh for you guys hopefully this will actually give you a bit of uh something to take off your minds at the moment and hopefully we'll do it some justice and Andy, as we speak, uh, we were speaking offline about this, is uh, European night again. So uh, we reminisced about one particular side in particular. So Celtic have been kicked out of the Europa <laughs> Conference. Uh, they lost 5-1 on aggregate to Bode Glimt. Um, so, yeah, um, especially a team that they thought they would uh, actually uh, win and progress further. So uh, are you surprised by that? Not at all, to be honest, because they did Roma over 6-0 mm. earlier in the season. Um, like, I don't know where this dismissive attitude of Celtics came from, but the general vibe, you know, where you, where you go through social media and all mm. that kind of stuff, it's like, we're in the Conference League. I mean, that's like the absolute basic, most basic of European competitions. Um, you know, a team of their statu- Celtic statues at the absolute minimum we're looking to get into the knockouts of the Europa League. Mm. Um, so to then drop down into the conference, think they've got themselves an easy draw. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just a really poor result. And, you know, mm. if you think about the wider picture as well, obviously from next season, Scotland are going to have, you know, one club in the group stage and one club in the, the qualifying yeah. stages of the Champions League. And, you know, you kind of need as many Scottish clubs as possible trying to boost the coefficient mm. because it helps the collective. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure Celtic fans don't really give two stuffs about how the other does. But either yeah. way, I think, I think they'll be disappointed with it. Um, maybe their focus is on the league more than anything else because I think that is more important for them. Mm. Um, you know, But Celtic, like, as good as they are going forward, they are quite vulnerable in defence. And I think in yeah. Europe, um, it def- they've definitely sort of been showing up in that respect. Mm. Well, obviously, we've got also the Europa League. So I'll just go through the results that have already taken place. So Dynamo Zagreb did win on the night against Sevilla 1-0, but they have unfortunately been eliminated. So Sevilla go through. Lazio drew on the night tool against FC Porto, but FC Porto go through. 4-3 on aggregate. Uh, we've also got Olympiacos losing 3-0 to Atalanta. Malinovsky, I saw, dedicated one of his goals to the Ukrainian situation, so fair play to him. And uh, RB Leipzig are also through. They beat uh, Real Sociedad, and it was 
three or five three on aggregate even so uh yeah crazy match there obviously uh, as we'll go live with the pods rangers uh have kicks off against dortmund so that'll be a very interesting watch so uh between me and andy i'm sure we'll update you as we go along and you know what i also i also forgot that leicester in the Europa conference league yes i was gonna um, go into it but yeah, yeah. We've also got that. Um, Napoli currently, as they are, nil-nil with Barcelona. Um, like we'll talk about, obviously, Leicester, they did win on the night 3-1 against Randers. So 7-2 uh, on aggregate, blimey. That's a crazy one. Um, and also PSV beat or beating Maccabi Hive uh, Tel Aviv even. Uh, 2-1 on aggregate as well. So some interesting results anyway. But um, Annie, let's talk about the Champions League. It wouldn't be any justice if we didn't talk about your beloved Man United. And uh, yeah, I have to say, uh, very fortunate I felt on the night. Um, Alanga again saving you. Obviously, we'll talk about Leeds when we get into the Premier League aspects. Um, but yeah, what did you make of yesterday's performance? Because I was a bit taken back by Atletico because they haven't been spectacular in the league let's put it that way um they did get some form over the weekends that said they did beat i think it was asasuna 3-0 um but yeah i have to say mcquire for that first goal uh it's going to be a constant issue with him it seems i mean he should in my opinion anyway shouldn't let uh felix Zhao. no offense he's probably not the best at heading but he did spectacularly well for that first goal um but there was more than that Obviously, there was more issues about Man United's general play as well. Um, but let's get your thoughts. What did you make of Man United's performance overall? I mean, the first half is probably some of the worst football I've seen Manchester United play all mm. season. Like we couldn't string three or four passes together, mm. but we did try. You know, although we were dominating possession, we just kept knocking it sideways. Um, we we just couldn't get a bit. We couldn't really get the grip in the uh, the counter unfortunately mm. so we had uh, an interesting midfield combination of um fred and pogba and but i think you know although it is easy to look at the likes of Maguire, i think the, the tone was set when it was just it was before the first goal it was like the first two minutes of the game and he had time the ball was going wide going out you know potentially for a goal kick in a, or a corner or something and he just he had time to take the ball down turn around but he just mm. sp- boots it everywhere um and obviously for the first goal it was just too slow uh, unfortunately it was an interesting one because i think they started with three center backs so there were some rumors that he was going to try rashford or sancho as wing backs which i thought mm-hmm. was a lot fit but um i think it's a bit of a the first half especially is a bit of a synopsis of um how certain united players are performing this season um, we were extremely lucky for it not to be 3-0 because obviously they hit the bar when it came uh, it came off a defender, it went to the bar there. And um, they just looked second best in every department, uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you know, Maguire couldn't seem to track his man most of the time. Shaw was a bit lost positionally. Um Bazaku hasn't played much recently, probably hasn't really done enough to justify getting the starts. Um, Bruno Fernandes was having an absolute shock. I mean, it's just basic decision-making. And also with Marcus Rashford as well, that is, apart from the Europa League final last year, that is the worst game I've seen him play. Uh, mm. and, I, and I really, really like the guy as well. Like, I don't have an agenda or anything against him, but he's at the point where this is more than just a bad run of form. He's been playing yeah. badly, you know, pretty much since the start of the season. Um mm. You, know, you have to mitigate he had his long-term injury uh but he can't, he's been back from that a while now uh mm. for a few months and you know we're not seeing the performances i think there was one bit in the second half where he had options to his left options to his right runners going ahead of him and he just tries to take a shot for 30 yards skied it um mm. you know his decision maker was so poor so Ronaldo couldn't get involved in the game uh, at, at times it was needlessly dropping back um, and it's just um, I think it just shows there's quite a lot of problems in the mm. squad you know it's easy to look at your easy targets like Maguire and Shaw and Rashford you know who fair enough have been poor but the whole there's deficiencies across the whole squad um, mm. but I thought we came out well second half I think whatever the German equivalent of hairdryer is. Um, <laughs> Ralph must have said some words because 
you know, at the very, very least, although the quality perhaps wasn't there, they came out fighting. It was quite yeah. a fight. You know, the second half was really, really feisty. There was a lot of yellow cards uh, being dished about. You know, we all know what Atletico Madrid are like. They'll give as good as they get um, in that sense. But, they, you know, they can also play, you know, the likes of Lorente, you know, he gets stuck in, good on the ball. How Felix was really good. I know he hasn't, because of the amount, obviously, he was about 100 odd million quid. I know he hasn't quite performed to expectations, but yesterday, like, he did his job up front really, really mm. well. Like, every time, you know, his first touch was always good. You know, his second touch to take it away from a man on a couple of occasions, drew some fouls, and it was really good forward play for somebody who's not a natural number yeah. nine, but he did the job that Simeone wanted. Um, and, but yeah, I think the subs in the end did make a bit of a difference. Uh, mm. that Manchester United made. I mean, I was fuming initially because he took off both fullbacks and bought, uh, so he bought on Tellez and, Dan- and Dallo and bought on Yamatic. Uh, Yem- uh, yeah. At the time, I was just like, well, surely you're trying to get a goal. But it, it did shore things up. Obviously, although mm. Matic's legs have gone, he is probably one of our better passing midfielders. Um, and then obviously, you know, Alanga came on and made the difference in the end. And yeah. That was the only point in the night where we showed a little bit of composure. You know, Bruno mm. got his head up, yeah. found his man. Uh, I think I think Oblak came out probably a little bit too far. It must be a bit yeah, critical, yeah. you know, from that point of view. But you know, it was good composure from Alanga. Um, you know, when he's been when he's been involved in the squad, he's been quite impressive. Like there's mm. nothing when you watch him, there's nothing particularly flashy about no. him. You won't you won't see him doing all the step overs and all that kind of stuff. He does the basics really well, which is just running into position, making those runs, and just yeah. being effect, just being a f- quietly effective at what you do with the ball. Exactly. Um, so he goes a little bit understated, and you get people on Twitter. I've seen some right awful takes on Twitter going, "Oh, he's just an average academy player." But if anything, like that's what you want. You just want somebody mm. to do the basics well. So yeah, I think if you said at the beginning of the night, would I take a point um, yeah. back to old, back to Old Trafford, yeah, especially with, with that, mm. the fact whole. You know, even though there's no away goals thing, I'd have absolutely taken yeah. that. Um, and I think if it, as long as the performance is better than it was uh, yesterday, then I would back Manchester United in front of a home support on the European night yeah. to, to go through. So, you know, obviously, Griezmann hitting the bar late on. I think they've rode their luck a little bit. Uh, mm. But, you know, I think um, we got away with it. And I think they'll t- take, take the good fortune. Definitely. Yeah, I'd say so. I was um, questionable about Simeone's tactics, but um, regardless, that came into Man United's favour anyway, that's for sure. In the other game that took place last night, we saw Benfica draw 2 all with Ajax. I only caught the highlights. I'm sure you did as well. Yeah, save for but, myself. Yeah, but I was going to say, what did you make of Tadej's goal? Uh, the first one for Ajax. He's somewhere. got a lovely, he's got lovely technique, hasn't yeah. he? Like, since he's been at Ajax, he's like some, he's got a highlight. Even when he was at Southampton, he scored some bangers. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got really good technique as well. I think it was like his weaker foot. Um, and yeah, I think you know that's what you expect from him. You know, he's he's one of those players that have peaked in his late twenties, early thirties, mm. um, which is quite late for by midfield by like an attacking midfielder standards. But yeah, exceptional technique. I thought the thing that came out of that game is I thought the goalkeeping from the Ajax's keeper for Benfica's <laughs> second goal. What the fuck was he doing? Like he kind of no he kind of got up, he, he saved the ball. The ball went sort of in the middle of nowhere. He got up in bloody slow motion. Uh, you know, he got up in installments <laughs> and was beaten <laughs> no, to yeah. it. And I thought, oh, come on. You had a few seconds to get up, uh, exactly. get your hand on it. He just kind of stayed there for a second. And I think that cost his team um, mm. a win, to be honest. Because um, yeah. he did look a little bit erratic, um, but it was keeping the ball out. But yeah, I thought... That was, you know, that was a bit costly. But again, I think, take it back to Amsterdam. I would yeah. back um, 
I would, I would back Ajax to pull that without the bag. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. By all accounts, the goalkeeper was a reserve goalkeeper, so it wasn't the first choice. So um, that was pretty much evident well, think, by yeah. the first goal as well, to be fair. Yeah, I um, think I think Andre Onana is their first choice, isn't he? Yeah, Ajax, well, yeah. yeah. Apart from the situation that's been going on, but yeah. Apart, apart um, from the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll move on from that point, but yeah. Um, the other games that took place on Tuesday was Chelsea beating Lille 2-0. Seemed quite comprehensive from what I saw. I didn't catch all of the match, but I I have to say, first 10 minutes, I thought Chelsea were all over Lille. Um, to be expected, I, I suspect. Um, but I wanted to kind of ask your opinions. What do you make of Havertz? Because, um, yeah, he seems to be getting better and better. And I, I don't know if we can name a better number 10 right now than him. Because he seems to be not a striker, but he's one of those. He's a very deceptive midfielder at the same time. He's very attacking-minded. But he reminds me of Skulls without that passing ability of Skulls, if that makes sense. He can just pop in, do those important goal contributions. And um, yeah, he's really, you know, in the mix in terms of he's becoming more of a household player for Chelsea, right? Yeah, I mean, they spent £75 million on them. Like, they knew kind of what they were getting. I mm. think, you know, I think although his goal output could still be a little bit better, uh, he, he has a habit of scoring important goals. You know, if you remember, yeah. if you go back to last season, he scored the, the Champions League uh, in the final winner. He scored in the Club World Cup winner, and you know, in the big games, it's kind of when he tends to um, turn up. Really, mm. uh, you know, although he's got only like I was looking at his stats on um, online, and he's only got two in seventeen in the league, but he's got you know two in six in Europe. Uh, but he does lead the line really well, and I think. Um, I can't remember where it's from, but I think apparently um, Tom Atuka was saying he's quite well suited for yeah. leading the line on his own. And I was looking at the highlights against Lille, um, a bit like how Felix did for um, Atletico. He, yeah. You know, he's a different kind of um, forward you can target. You know, he's not going to be a big boat that holds up the ball, but his close control, his dribbling, his ability to turn away from people. Um, he scored, he nearly scored an absolute worldie. Uh, where he took it for the halfway line, took two people out, you know, was beating the other guy for pace. He just ran out of room, basically, to get the shot on target um, from a tight angle. But, yeah, I mean, it does make you wonder what we're going to do with Lukaku <laughs> over the next few months, because, unfortunately, you know, I guess yeah. we'll refer to it a little bit in the Premier League stuff. They seem to look a more fluid team without him in it. Yeah, certainly. I was going to obviously mention that he was on the bench for this match, so um, and it, that's where he stayed as well. Um, briefly on Villarreal Juventus, it was uh, kind of a standard result. One all, it finished. Vlavic scoring within, it was thirty three seconds. So yeah, nice finish quickest. as well. Like... Very good. Yeah, no. And this is the funny thing in the Italian press, they've been slating him for going a couple of hours without scoring goal. And then he did that, basically. I mean, boy. But it does um, kind of highlight one thing. Juventus still really poor at the back. And uh, for that goal, Rabio, what was he doing? I mean, I don't like the guy. You know my feelings on Rabio, But <laughs> just yeah, this is... <laughs> just walk past him, literally. It wasn't even running or anything like that. And he just taps it past Chesney. Although Chesney, again, debatable whether he should run better. <laughs> And I don't like him either, but we'll park that bias to the side. I mean, I mean yeah. yeah, this I mean, yeah, this pod is not part of the Wojciech as the uh, <laughs> fan club. <laughs> yeah, he's probably got to be the most unwelcome Polish person on the pod. <laughs> <laughs> but so uh, yeah, that aside, it was um no, I thought Lavovic finishes like that's the sort of thing, you know, just very simple, great first touch, first time finish of a tight angle. Like that's what you want from a striker, and I think mm. it's probably not an exaggeration to say that he's going to be Juve's ticket to the knockout stages for the next few years. You know, yeah. all right, they're a bit of a mess at the back. Um, you know, I thought Matthias De Ligt made some nice clearances. To be fair, I mean, they're a little bit last ditch, but you know, um, I think Juventus will need a bit of a refresh in that area over the summer. Um, yeah. You know, I'd certainly be addressing. I'll certainly be addressing it. It does make you wonder because they had the ownership rights of Romero who went to um, Spurs and Demiral, who's also at Atalanta. You're like, surely you probably could have kept maybe one of them. Yeah, uh, exactly. It seems a bit, seems some odd decision making, especially is what Benucci I think is going to, is rumoured to be with calling it a day at the end of this season. 
Yeah, um, I don't see being particularly far behind, um, yeah. unless they both want to go to a 2022 World Cup later on in the year. But yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. But, but I think it's anyone's guess that game. Like Villarreal are a strange team. Like in Europe, mm. they always seem to up their levels. That's um, it. The likes of Danny Pereira, like he's quite underrated, really. Like yeah. I know he's only got a few caps to Spain, but you look at similar types of midfielders in the Premier League, and he, you know, technically he's really, really good. Yeah, well, one thing before we leave this section, Villarreal just remind me of uh, Spurs reject side because they had Lo Celso, Juan Foyf. Uh, I was just expecting someone else to turn up like Soldado or something like that. So, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, before we also leave this kind of Europe section, as it stands, Napoli have just conceded a second goal against Barcelona. So it's 2-0 to Barcelona at the moment. Uh, Braga beating Sheriff, our favourite side on the pod, uh, 1-0. And as it stands, Rangers are nil-nil with Dortmund. So uh, fascinating. I'm sure we'll update the listener as we that's, go along with that's that. That's why I accumulated the shitter. <laughs> <laughs> I had, um, <laughs> I had, uh, <laughs> I had to beat Barcelona for our oh, at home. We had Barcelona a mess, and I had I just put I had, I had Sheriff um, on for the lols. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, never mind. Maybe next time. Let's move on to Premier League. So uh, there's only one game we can really start this off, and that is Spurs versus Man City. If we talk about the stats first before we go into general opinions about the game, City had 71% possession, 21 shots on goal with an XG of 2.27. Spurs, in contrast, had 29% possession, six shots on goal with an XG of 1.62. Um yeah, I found it astonishing, really, um, Andy. I know we spoke about it on our WhatsApp group, but I didn't expect this result, I have to say. And I I kind of wonder if Guardiola got this badly wrong. But then I suppose the other question is, did Conte get this really right as well? Because I think not enough credit has been given to Conte. We'll um, talk about what obviously Spurs have done in the last 24 hours in a bit. Um, but if we talk about this match, were you a bit taken back by this result as well? Yeah, I, don't, I think it's a result that, you know, although yeah. uh, Spurs beat City earlier in the season, um, you know, if you look at the form book, there was nothing really to suggest that, you know, Spurs would do anything mm. about it. Because they'd lost like three straight games in the league previous yeah. to that, you know, and uh, there weren't just, you know, there's some pretty pathetic performances in there, you know, especially yeah. one of the Wolves. So it's, uh, yeah, you didn't see it coming. But I thought, um, you know, although statistically it's kind of what you'd expect, you know, Manchester City are going to dominate possession. That's you know, that's how they do things. But, you know, the teams that have beat Manchester City over the past couple of years, oh, Craig would be a happy boy, won't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Just for reference, uh, listener, it's 1-0 to Rangers due to a Tavernier penalty. I was going to say you scored. Nice. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think the, the way you can get out of Manchester City is that is to basically get behind their back line. Because uh, whatever combination they have in the centre-back of Ruben Diaz, John Stones, American Laporte, Nathan Aki, they're not necessarily rapid. Um and with the fullbacks pushing up so high, you can get in behind them. And that's what Spurs did to perfection. I think you kind of have to accept that the City are going to dominate possession and mm. sometimes there's not much you can do about it apart from being disciplined defensively and disciplined, you know, in, in, in a positional sense. Yeah. But what they what Spurs did with the ball was absolutely exceptional. Um, mm. I think it's the best I've seen Harry Kane play all yeah. season. Um, I mean, we all know, like, in terms of ability, he is a world-class footballer. Unfortunately, mm. he's just spent most of the season a bit of a sulk. Uh, and maybe <laughs> it's not a coincidence that he's decided to turn up for the club that he was heavily rumoured to be yeah. going to if he had his way. So maybe, I think, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that Kane had a bit of extra motivation going yeah, into definitely. that game because he really was... You know, maybe it's just a subconscious thing. I don't, I don't think many footballers go out there and intentionally play badly, but mm. you could certainly subconsciously put in an extra 10, 15 percent sometimes. Yeah. And I think that's what happened because you know, we've seen him do it before. But he's one of those few players that could drop deep. His passing range for a centre forward is absolutely exceptional. 
Mm. Uh, you know, the only forward I've seen over the years with a similar kind of range is um, Ray Rooney. Um, yeah. But his passing rate is exceptional. And obviously, when you've got Son running in, um, Kuleski, you know, as well, mm. I think it was good decision making as well. Because I think sometimes yeah. you'd be tempted to go to the shot, but, you know, Edison's a world class keeper. Uh, it was really good decision making to go, you know what, I'll just give the easy opportunity to somewhere else. Yeah. Um, you know, K could have theoretically had a hat trick as well, but obviously, the, yeah, yeah. He, when he thought he scored the win, they got disallowed. Um, you know, it could have even been more comfortable because I think obviously the XG part of it will be bumped up by the penalty that they got. And obviously, yeah, Luis yeah. is keeping for City's first. <laughs> for the first, yeah. Oh, I mean, he, he made an absolute world. He did straight later after on that. pretty yeah. much like a few minutes afterwards. But for the first goal, I'm just like, just fucking catch it. I think we all said that <laughs> on the WhatsApp group. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Like in unison, it's just like, just fucking catch it. Get, you know, just jump over it and get hold of it. Um, uh, yeah. So that was, obviously that was poor, but yeah, now they, you know, they deserve the result. And yeah, you could argue City were a bit wasteful, but City do have those games sometimes that they just, very occasionally lose a bit of concentration mm. and lose a bit of intensity. Um, you know, and I think that would give them, I imagine um, that would give them a kick up the arse to yeah, you know, definitely. Whoever, whoever they play next week, uh, I'd be a bit worried for them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you though, did you feel like maybe he went with the foresight and this is Guardiola of being really attacking minded that he forgot to do the defensive work because I appreciate they had Rodri, for example, and yeah, the centre backs weren't brilliant, but Edison was terrible. I thought for this game, uh, I don't know what more he could have done. To be fair, because of what was in front of him, but I think Carl Walker was easily done for one of the headers. Uh, he just let Kane go in front of him for that one chance, and like you said, Kulusevski uh, for the last goal, the winning goal, should we say? I thought it was very intelligent that he didn't kind of try and cross it first time. He kind of waited a little bit, saw where the players were before he whipped in across. And I think that was, if that was someone like, let's say, Emerson Royale, you know that wouldn't have been created. Because it was <laughs> it, it got straight over the bar, wouldn't <laughs> yeah. it? Like... Into the crowd, basically. Um, but yeah, because it was Kulisevsky, he kind of waited his time, just made sure he could just calm that situation, whipped in the cross at the right time, Kane attacks it, and he scored a goal. But yeah, yeah. Fascinating game, I thought, from my perspective. Um, let's move on to then Sunday's match, which is Man United versus Leeds. Very feisty game. Um, I was going to ask you at the point that it was two all on our WhatsApp group, our squeaky bum time then, basically, because obviously you seem quite dominant uh, at that point before they score those two quick successive goals. Um, but I felt Leeds were just really lethargic in the way they played. And then that, I suppose the bigger question here, Andy, I'm trying to get to is, Bielsa has it run its course now? Or do we kind of just give him his due because it's Bielsa? We know he plays this attractive kind of style of football and no one else does it in the Premier League. But I, I just, I get this impression that, you know, they want to progress. They want to be a team that still stays in the Premier League. The way they're continuing right now, you just expect... That's an easy three points. And obviously, they did lose to uh, Liverpool, what was it, Wednesday night, 6-0. Um, and yeah, again, when I was looking at highlights, some of the goals were just too easy, just far too easy. Granted, Liverpool are that level above them, and you could see that by a mile off. But are we fearful for Bielsa at the moment at Leeds? Um, I mean, I think it gets quite an easy ride because of obviously the standing he's got within the game. And it's just... It's strange that like even even game against United, they they seem to be getting praised and like you're shipping three, four, five goals a game. Um, you know they they shipped three against um, Aston Villa, they shipped mm. three against Everton, four against Man United, six against Liverpool. Like you know, two against West Ham the game before that as well. Like they're shipping an awful lot of goals. I mean that's relegation form. Mm. Um, and you know, you know, fine, we get that you know, Bielsa wants to play an, an attractive, attacking brand of football, and when it clicks, it's really good to watch. But you know, unfortunately, they've had a lot of injuries 
uh, as well. You know, I think, uh, for example, like Adam Forshaw up against, yeah. um, you know, Paul Pogba is a bit of a mismatch. Um, mm. You know, obviously in the first half, Robin Koch got clattered by Scott McTominay. I mean, I know uh, the Leeds fans were not happy that Scott <laughs> you McTominay stayed the reaction, on the pitch. Yeah. Oh, they were, they were, I mean, they were, they were fuming. And you know what, maybe, <laughs> you know, take if I take away my own obvious bias aside, um, if that was in Europe or something like that, he probably would have been sent off. But, you know, one thing I would say is that the referee did let the game flow for both sides. So it felt like, you know, a throwback to like the 70s or 80s or even the 90s when mm. I was growing up and it was just proper you know proper fire day hard tackles you know the crowds were up for it it was um yeah a real proper game and um yeah it was it was just a fantastic it was just an engrossing watch from yeah, start to finish um, I think you know it was great to see Manchester United score for the corner finally. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I think because at the bottom every 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 game I've seen there'll be a little thing going. Um, Manchester United haven't scored a corner in 149 matches or attempts or something like that. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Seen Harry Maguire. He's obviously Yorkshire, South Yorkshire, born and bred in Sheffield, and he's playing yeah. for Manchester United, so he's not going to be Mr. Popular among the fans. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, despite his travails this season, I think that would have been a great moment for him. Uh, Bruno Fernandes was, um, you know, effective again as well, uh, getting in the header. Um, but it's just the one minute meltdown that we had. Uh, obviously, Rodrigo's goal was complete and utter fluke. Um, mm. you know, that was meant to be a cross and it went in. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting it, certainly not my David Haya certainly wasn't expecting no. it. Um, and to be fair to these, when it came back in the second half, it really started snapping into the tackles, like they got a little bit closer to the ball. And you know, I think United midfielders, as the guilty of doing quite often, if they, they lose it in really bad positions, um, so when they lose the ball. Leads are already in your own half of that city penalty mm. area, so it's you, you don't have much time to get back into shape. And obviously, uh, with Dan James as well providing the assist, I knew, yeah, was, exactly. I knew it was going to contribute something. I mean, yeah, I certainly did, I certainly did, did see putting crosses of that quality when he was at Manchester ah. United, but you know, there's a reason why he's at Leeds, <laughs> ultimately. <laughs> and again, uh, for this, you know, a bit like uh, last night's game, I thought the subs were baffling. Um, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was absolutely fuming. Um, Until took, Fred scored, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, come on. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, you know what? Fred's actually been all right this season, to be fair to him. Uh, he hasn't actually been that bad. He started chipping in with some goals, but nobody could tell me you were expecting him to twat it first time into the top corner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> first time. Like, he looked like he'd been doing like 15, 20 goals a season. Um, but it was that, and then obviously Alanga, you know, finished it off, especially when he was getting the coins thrown at him and stuff like that. Yeah. So for him to just cap it off right at the end was um, delightful, you know, it was, right? It was a nice, it was a nice little touch. Like I think, yeah, I think it shows obviously the defensive vulnerabilities that you know, Manchester United still have, but you know they are ultimately mm. a better football team than Leeds and. You know, they did it towards the end of last season. This is what I found weird, is that they started tightening up against teams like Manchester City. You yeah. know, in, in the Ellen Road game last season, maybe it was a lack of crowds, I don't know, because uh, it was still a bit pandemic y then. Um, it was a nil-nil draw that was quite drab. Um, and I think it might be against his better judgment, but he's gonna have to be else is gonna have to be a bit more pragmatic. Because I think mm. as much as as much as um, you know, the Leeds fans love Bielsa, and I'm sure the players do, and you know, they've got respect to the footballing community. Yeah. I don't think financially they'll be in the best position if they go down. Yeah, because uh, they're they're not a club built to be in the championship. They've got a Premier League infrastructure. Yeah, exactly. um, and the next game, and it's. it's with their form at the moment, you look at them and go, well, where does your next win come in from? You look at the next games to go yeah, top. Yeah. Well, probably that, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's first, but, you know, we've got Leicester away. That'll be a tough one. Yeah. Villa at home, I think, will be very important for them. 
Um, yeah. I think March, again, they've got a game of 13th of March against Norwich City at home, I think. Mm. And then they've got uh, Watford a couple, in, you know, a couple yeah. of weeks later in the April. I think they have to win those two games. So I think they've got just about enough to get themselves out of trouble mm. on, on the basis that there are three worst teams and leads. Um, and there's also... Just about. Bre- just about, yeah. Mm. And if you look at Brentford and Everton, they're in a similar bit of rut as well, where you don't quite yeah. know where their wins are going to come from. Yeah, no, just to give you a bit of a breather, there's two points I wanted to make on this one. Uh, first one, just the fact is that they seem to be not having the same momentum in terms of the style of play that they were used to last season. So, for example, they were very reliant on getting the ball to Bamford, for example. Bamford's not there. We know he's injured at the moment and there is no other goal-scoring outlet. I mean, the likes of, for example, Mateusz Klik, who I think has had a really poor season by his standards, um, but it's not just him. For example, Stuart Dallas, who contributed a lot of the goals last season as well. He's not had a great season. Um, but yeah, the other point that I wanted to really kind of stress about this particular match, and you kind of touched about the fans and the atmosphere, how nice was it that they didn't all have phones on them? Like just the fact that they were actually concentrating on the match was really delightful for me because I saw a picture of Stamford Bridge on the Tuesday night <laughs> where they all got phones out. So for me, that was delightful. I just want us to kind of quickly move on to Burnley just quickly because it will land us back to Spurs. Burnley had a fantastic result against Brighton on Saturday, 3-0, unexpected, felt for Verkhorst even, sorry, very good goal, um, very good play as well. But really, that result was very unexpected, right? I didn't expect them to win that handsomely at Brighton. Yeah, I was watching, I was watching it on uh, Match of the Day and I was just like, is this Burnley or Barcelona? Well, it's a bit of a stretch, but um, <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, there were players, from, you know, usually away from home, like Burnley are terrible. Um, but they played really nice football. Um, you know, about Redhorse, like he's got a great, he's got more or less a one in two goal scoring record for Wolfsburg. Like, yeah. yeah, he's a Dutch international. Like, he's not, you know, certainly um, in terms of replacing Chris Woods, like he's a very good replacement. He might turn out to be even better. Um, he's got a very good touch. He half, he, he half hit it as well. Yeah. Like, um, the finishes are seen in Mav. It's just like just plows through it so i think yeah i think he's a very burnley type of player but he is quite decent technically mm. for aaron lennon as well actually obviously he had a year in turkey yeah. re-signed for burnley in the summer and then i saw him earlier this season against united and he same against brighton he seems to have found like an indian summer as they say yeah because uh, his goal like he's still got a good he's what 34 but he's still got a good leg of base on him yeah. um I mean, he was playing for Leeds when they were still in the Premier League. <laughs> Seems to remember, he was quite young yeah. when he started him, as well. He was a bit like along with James Milner. Uh, yeah. He's just one of those players that just keeps going. Um, he scored a good goal. So, yeah, I think that was three points that Burnley um, desperately, desperately needed. Yeah. And I think um, they're going to, you know, they've got a game in hand. Obviously, up in Newcastle, the two points behind, and they've got two games in hand on Leeds, who yeah. are only three points ahead. So, you know, I think they've got the ability to drag themselves away from it. I think Sean Dyche always seems to find a way. Obviously, their next game is against Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is such a Tottenham thing to do, isn't it? To <laughs> yes. put in your best performance of the season against arguably the best team in the land and probably one of the best teams in Europe to. Um, Put it, dropping an absolute stinker against a team you'd expect to beat most definitely yeah. at home. Um, so it's very, very Spurs. I mean, I don't mind because, you know, in terms of the top four race, I'm mm. more than happy to see Spurs losing their games in hand. But yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And just quickly, just because of the results that happen over the weekend, I just want to kind of stress these ones. Southampton winning 2-0 against Everton. We've been speaking about Everton and how poor they've been, but a shout out to Southampton. They're continuing this form. It's brilliant. And they're in the top 10 now. So I don't think anyone kind of saw that happening necessarily at this kind of point, but they are starting to genuinely get some momentum. Um, I'd call out Villa. Villa lost to Watford. And I know Watford last night, they lost 4-1 to Palace. Um, But Villa, that's another team that are kind of, they're 
they're safe as it stands, but they could be dragged into it, right? And I know Stephen Gerrard wasn't happy with that performance on Saturday either. So, again, what, what was your thoughts on those two games in particular? I think they found, I think with Villa, they've got themselves a shiny new toy in Philip Coutinho. And as a result, they're trying to make everything go through him. Um, and, you know, I think it's sort of stunting their play a little bit. I think the other thing as well is that they don't seem to be particularly settled in terms of their forward line. Uh, they can't seem to make up their mind as to, you know, one week it's uh, Watkins up front, supported by Brendia. Mm. You know, the next minute it's Daddy Ings. Like, they don't seem to have the, you know, or Leon Bailly coming in on the wings. Like, they don't seem to have um, a set attacking unit. And I think that is not, I don't think that's helping them at all. Um, and defensively, I mean, we've kind of said our piece on Tyrone Mings at various points yeah. over the past year or so, but, you know, they're, they're not particularly great, you know, uh, at the back as well, like Courtney Howes, as we call So, like, mm. they're serviceable and solid, but, you know, you couldn't say they're particularly top class at the back. So, yeah, I think they've lost a lot of really, you know, tight games, um or drawn some tight games obviously you know tight defeat against Watford and Newcastle uh it's in fine margins Mm. so yeah I think they'll be ultimately be okay um you know I think although they would have had designs on the top half uh certainly Stephen Gerrard you know having Mm. left Rangers mid-season I think he would have liked to have seen seen his team a bit higher than 13th yeah. Um, but you know, I think they've only got to really pick up another two or three wins, and I think they'll be all right. Mm, very interesting. Um, before we kind of move into Syria, just an update on the Europa League situation it's Rangers one, Dortmund one, so it's 42nd minute now, and Napoli have got one back for you, Andy. So, no, uh, kind of hopes dash just yet. Let's see what happens by full time, anyway. Uh, let's move on to Serie A, and I'll give you a bit of a breather. But Andy, by all means, kind of shout out any questions you've got about Serie A in terms of the weekend itself. So I think what I described this Serie A weekend was summed up by just a host of mistakes by all of the sides, basically. So it made it quite enjoyable for the neutral, basically. So we started off on Friday night. So it's Juventus versus Torino. So that's the Turin derby. And... Um, it was one all here, so very interesting to see this. Um, Delict scoring from a corner, well taken header, but basically Belotti scoring and deserved equaliser for Torino. Our favourite friend Wojciech Chesney making a blunder. Um, he should have basically, basically a bit like Reese, he should have just caught the ball, but somehow he pushes it. So it just flaps past him into the net. So, yeah, well-deserved, though, regardless of that. So, obviously, Juventus are crying about this result because it could have put pressure in terms of making sure they cement that top-four finish. So that happened on Friday night. We then go into Tuesday, Salernitana versus AC Milan. So you're expecting AC Milan to basically go to town, win this match very easily. No, it finished 2 all here. And at one point, Salinatana were winning 2-1 in this match. So, again, the mistake was done by Mike Magnan, who has had a fantastic season in Serie A. But for some reason, he went walkies for this goal, um, which was the equaliser for Salinatana. And then for the second one, basically a very good header by Juric from Salinatana. So, well-deserved at this point. But four minutes later, Rebic scores a deserved equaliser for AC Milan overall. What was interesting after this match, though, was Pioli, the coach for AC Milan, was asked by the press um, if they felt or he felt that this was a missed opportunity, to which he replied by saying, what do you mean? We weren't in pole position for this title race anyway. So that really miffed the uh, kind of press and generally the AC Milan fans. So it seems like he's trying to take that pressure off his team at the moment. But yeah, it seems like lost points. So anyway, you're going into Sunday. You're thinking Inter Milan versus Sassuolo. Inter at home. You're thinking, right, they haven't been on great form. They should be doing a lot better. They lost here 2-0 to Sassuolo. Now, Sassuolo, we know they're a very good side. They've got some really good individuals. Raspadori opened it for uh, Sassuolo. And it was basically in the middle, 
they were just so poor into Milan. Um, they were missing Brozovic for this match. So that kind of explains to an extent why it was so easy from a middle position. But then the second goal kind of happens not that far in between the first goal as well. So basically, again, through the middle, ball goes to Troy, he whips it in. Skamaka thinks he's in an offside position because he doesn't celebrate the goal, or so he says, because supposedly he might be going to Inter in the summer anyway. And he heads it in. So easy 2-0 win in the end for Inter, or Sassuolo, should I say. So yeah, very good victory for Sassuolo there. And then on Monday, you're thinking, right, Napoli, you've got a chance here. You're playing Calgary, who, again, they're kind of struggling at the moment. Um, drew, drew one all, and they had to get themselves back into the match because they conceded the first goal as well. So, again, mistake by David Ospina. Um, just flapped at a ball that kind of was whipped into the corner for him. Um, but Osimhen, fantastic, really, in this position. Um, we did get this question in from Mon Sportif asking with Inter losing that form and Napoli doing a Napoli thing, do we think it's the title for AC Milan? I have to say, on the basis of this, I think this is a very open title race. I had a look at the fixtures list. Now, I think they've all got hard games. I think out of the run that I could see, Napoli and possibly AC Milan have a lot of the harder sides, i.e., the Fiorentinas, the Lazios, AC Milan and Inter have got to face each other in the Coppa Italia still. So that could be very interesting because that's over two legs. So be very interesting to see how that kind of develops. And, you know, with Inter Milan still being in Europe as it stands right now, obviously I expect them to lose to Liverpool when it comes to the next leg. But yeah, that kind of fixture congestion is going to take its toll on Inter Milan and they haven't been in great form. I think there's a number of players that have to be dropped at the moment just to kind of help their focus at the moment. Um, but Napoli, I think any of these sides have got a great chance of winning this. Um, but Napoli, I would say probably potentially in one of the stronger positions um, based on their squad depth, potentially. Um, from an outsider's point of view, um, Andy, what do you make of that current title race? Because it's certainly fascinating for me. I don't know what what your kind of view is. I mean, on this we're quite race. we're quite a, well, we're kind of short on title races, aren't we? Mm, um, exactly. You know, they're trying to make the Premier League title race, but I just, I'm, not, I'm not quite buying it yet, to be honest with you. Um, I just don't see Man City dropping that many points. But yeah, I think from mm. a neutral point of view, I'd love to see Napoli. Um, you know, when it's obviously not when it's since 1990, they've been so close yeah. so many times, you know, over the past like 10 years or so. Um, I think that would be absolutely incredible for the city. Um, you know, obviously AC Milan haven't won it since 2011. Um, so it, it'd be a fascinating visit to the end of the season. I think, you know, from a neutral point of view, I'm just glad it's not going to be Juve again. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. You know, it might not beyond the realm's possibility, but it's no, highly unlikely at this point. Um, but yeah, it's just like I said, I think it'll be one of those title races that does really go down to um to the last like two or three games or something like Could that. Could do, yeah. At this point, just to summarize where Serie A is, so currently we have AC Milan top on 56 points. Inter in second on 54 points, but they've got a game in hand over AC Milan and Napoli. And Napoli currently in third on 54 points. So, yeah, very fascinating weekend to be had in Serie A. Um, just quick roundup of Europa League as we stand as well. So Napoli have conceded again against Barcelona. So it's half time there. 3-1 to Barcelona now. And uh, for Craig, unfortunately, Dortmund have just scored before half time. So it's 2 1 now to Dortmund. So 5 4 on aggregate as we stand at the moment. So, yeah, tense times. And Andy Sheriff are losing 2 0 now to Braga. So, uh, yeah, it's 2 all on aggregate there as well. So our beloved Sheriff might not progress past this stage as it currently stands. It looks like Braga have got the uh, determination. Anyway, let's move on then to a very interesting question that we had, which was from one of our beloved listeners, Stephen Cole. 
and it is all around the Legend Sixes. So uh, if you haven't heard, listener, Legend Sixes is due to make a comeback. Um, there's a tie-up with Sky, so the likes of Skulls and McManaman will be turning out. I don't know who'd want to watch McManaman again anyway, um, based on his... Uh, we have to listen to him anyway. enough, Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah. That might actually help, right? He's actually away Keep from... Actually... Telly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he did ask us this question, who would we like to see from our club's Legend 6 aside? So, um, Andy, have you put too much thought into this? I've given a little bit of thought. So I was, uh, I was, they've got to be over 35 and they've got to be retired. Yeah. So I think I would have um, in goal, I would go for um, Edwin Van der Sar, good of his feet, uh, you know, quite a modern keeper. Um, you, know, you need that in a, in a six-a-side yeah. game. I think um, you'd, I'd have Ruud van Nistelrooy up front okay. because, I mean, honestly, you give him the ball, he'll score. Like, he's <laughs> one of the most clinical finishers I've seen in my generation. Uh, you'd have Ray Rooney in there, 100%, okay. uh, just behind him. And then, um, you know, I'd have uh, Skulls in there because you know, they might be knocking on 50 but uh, <laughs> you know what i just have skulls and carrick in the middle though like yeah. you would you wouldn't get you wouldn't get the ball of them uh so what how, how many is that so you got carrick for this three right so far rude so i've got rude rudy skulls and van der Sussers four sorry yeah uh obviously you've got to have somebody in defense uh otherwise so what, it just Rio? be pure vibes no, no. uh okay. i'll probably I'll probably have um, Vidic, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. And uh, who who's your six? Ooh, probably Vidic. Well, I've got six already. So I've got Van, Van, Van der Sar. Oh, well. uh, um, you've got Rooney, Van Nisseroy. Yeah. Uh, Skulls. Skulls, Carrick. Saying, oh, you said Carrick. Yeah, there you go. That's what I thought you had six. <laughs> uh, I didn't hear you say Carrick. So, yeah, fair enough. That that must be it. Okay, so I'll go through mine. Now, for the uh, basis of a bit more kind of know-how, because you, you guys are probably not going to know the Wick and Wondrous legends, shall we say. So I'll go through <laughs> it and explain it in a little bit more detail. So I'll start off with Martin Taylor, uh, an old goalkeeper, did really well. Uh, most people will probably know him for the FA Cup run that we did many years ago. But he was a player that we probably shouldn't have been able to have signed at the time. He came from Derby County. He was supposedly on the cusp of being like an England international at the time. But due to a really bad injury, um, something about he had to have a really bad injury where he had to have part of his leg like kind of I think it was not sewn off, but it was literally that they had to scrape Ooh. the bone itself. So he's That's got a shorter leg basically as a result of it. So yeah, it wasn't pleasant, but yeah, that made that was the reason why he had to drop down a level essentially. Um, and he wasn't able to kind of maintain it at a proper higher stage kind of capacity. So Martin Taylor, fantastic goalkeeper, um, saved us many occasions and is a legend for that. Um, then I'm going to kind of rattle off a few legends names that won't be so well known. Uh, so Keith Ryan, uh, legends for Wickham Wanderers. He scored against Liverpool in the FA Cup run. Um, he's just, yeah, Mr. Wickham. He was kind of could play in defence, could play in midfield. He could play up front. He could play in any role. His main role was midfielder, um, but fantastic player. Steve Brown, a um, lot of like football league fans will know him for getting loads of yellow cards, lots of tackles. Um but he had energy. He could just walk, run up and down that page and all pictured as a um, fantastic player. Again, he had a wicked left foot as well, a bit like a Ryan gig, shall we say, but it wasn't as like pacey in terms of he's not a winger in that traditional no. sense. He's a much more full-on midfielder. So fantastic for that. Then we've got kind of, I'd go with my winger choices. So we've got David Carroll. So by all accounts, he was a chain smoker, but for that, he automatically gets that legendary status because he could just score amazing goals. He didn't look like he had an ounce of fat on his skin. He was just kind of one of those tricky like wingers in a day. Martin O'Neill loved him um, during his time at Wickham. So yeah, fantastic player. Unfortunately, never got to play at a bigger stage, should we say, but well loved by Wickham fans. Then we've got Darren Curry. Um, 
some people might know him from Championship. Does ring a bell, yeah. Yeah, he played for Brighton and Ipswich Town after he left Wickham. Um, unfortunately, a twat called Tony Adams became manager at Wickham Wanderers and let him go on a free transfer. Um, I forgot yeah. Tony Adams did that. Yeah, he was a twat of the biggest order at Wickham Wanderers. Um, yeah, he played a centre-back at left-back for some reason. Um, yeah, he did some really weird shit, basically, at Wickham Wanderers. He wasn't there for yeah, well, never, He wasn't there really long, was he? No, he got us relegated, spent about, I think it was three or four months before he got sacked. Uh, when we went, what was League Two, Division Three at the time, essentially. Um, but he was terrible. The football was awful. I, I could get. This is the thing with Tony Adams. He definitely had an eye for spotting talent. That was it, though. Apart from that, no man management skills. He was telling our footballers during the relegation run in um, that they weren't good enough. Um, and that's not a kind of message you want to prevail to players that are trying to stay in the league. So, yeah, for that, he's a knob. Uh, but Darren Curry was a fantastic winger. Um, he's nephew of Tony Curry for a lot of Sheffield United fans. Um, played at a decent level, I'd say. But he could have played, I reckon, in the Premier League had he kind of made his kind of move a bit earlier because he spent the majority of his time at Barnet. And Barnet were kind of League Two, Division Three at the time. So, yeah a bit of a legend in that respect, but managed to see some fantastic goals from him and just the weavery from him on the wings was just amazing. So I think he could really outdo some teams when it came to those situations where you just need a moment of class. That's yeah. why I put him in there. Finally, up front, we've got Sean Devine. Um, he's a championship manager legend from the 99-2000 season. So you have to dig him out. He's in Barnet's squad at the time fantastic player for some reason we managed to get him really cheaply um he in his first season scored 23 goals for Wickham Wanderers um like just insane he could have gone on to uh I think it was supposedly reportedly a move to West Bromwich Albion for a million pounds which is a lot of money back in the day right um but due to some gambling debts he had um he had his nose kicks in shall we say uh so yeah he didn't recover from that um he became a bit of a legend with exeter city uh you may recall this andy there was a game where exeter city took the game uh, to replay at old trafford oh, yeah that was, was all... back in like 2005 yeah. or something like that it was it his was... goal that got him yeah. got exeter down there so um he's a bit of a legend from their perspective um last i heard from him he was somewhere in New Zealand, um, so sunning it do. up down there. So why not? But again, he was a fantastic player. Um, should we do one for Rangers? What do you think? No, we'll leave should that we for Craig. When he we'll comes leave back. that for Craig. Yeah, we'll leave okay. that. Yeah, we'll leave otherwise, that for next week. Otherwise, so we'll probably end up him or something like that. <laughs> yeah, we might do. I mean, I think I'd struggle with deciding which goalkeeper, Andy Gorham or uh, McGregor. What was your thoughts? What do you reckon he'd go for? I mean, I was a bit too young for the Andy Gorham days, to be yeah. honest. So I'll probably just said McGregor, obviously um, with Brian Laudrup and Gaza. Like I'm relatively, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Voice could... up front, right? Yeah, there you go. Actually, we've actually done all right there. That's what four players. Yeah. Uh, who do we go for defence? Uh, well, I'm just trying to think who is their kind of legendary player. Would they have Gattuso in that kind of midfield potentially? Is that kind of behind? You got Jorge Alberts yeah. as well, or Gio, maybe. Give up, give up, of course. Yeah, that yeah. The five side game for like technical ability, you have Gio there, and potentially, yeah, exactly. um, yeah, the two. So yeah, oh, you know what? I'm happy. I think it's not a bad, not a bad I don't think side, we, right? I, I, I don't, don't think Craig would shout at us if um... he's probably shouting at us right now as we're speaking. Never <laughs> <but laughs> yeah. mind. Uh, we'll let it crack on anyway. Um, right, let's move on then to the weekend preview. Um, has there been any games in Luxembourg, Andy? You know what? I'm, I'm very glad you asked. Yes. Yes, there okay. has. So it's still very tight at the top of the table. Um, obviously, you know, right at the right at the top end, you've got Duda Lange, uh, who simply won 3 1 against Hoss Um okay. despite going down to 10 men. So, um, yeah, fair play for that. And uh, obviously, Progress needed call got like a sweaty 1 0 win against Hunas Ek. So, um, yeah, they'll be 
quite glad of that one in the end, especially as they're down at the bottom half of the table. Um, let's see what's going on in the relegation. But so you've got Han Benfica, who've already won one game um, all season, and um, they did not extend that over the weekend either. <laughs> uh, they, they lost to um, Union Titus or Titus, however you want to pronounce it, <laughs> yeah. who are a strange team who've not drawn, they've played 18 matches, have not drawn a single game all season, which is quite an impressive okay. stats. In fact, you know what? Draws in this league are just not much of a thing for some of the teams. <laughs> uh, I was looking at it, I was just looking at the table now, right? So you've got Racing, you've got Union Titus, um, you know, Etzella, uh, Habib Fika, you know, all not draw, not draw right, the game okay. all season. So they seem to just go balls to the wall um, in that league. Uh, in terms of um, going else, you've got Victoria Rossport, who uh, obviously trying to fight at the high end of the table. They slipped in recent weeks, have they mm. got a loss over the weekend? Um, obviously, between 14th and 13th, you've got uh, Mondorf and Etzella. They're one, they're one place, uh, one point separated two of them. So right. in terms of the um, in the relegation zone, so you know one of those get relegated. Zella lost two 0 uh, which probably wasn't to um, their liking. So they're stuck in the bottom three. And then um, where did Mond- how did Mondorf do? They also lost as well against Rodan, who also at the higher end of the league. So uh, yeah, that is what is going on in um, Luxembourg football. So just to confirm. Do the Large and Progress Leadercorn are tied on 39 points. Uh, do the Large just ahead by virtue of a slightly better goal difference by four goals. Oh wow! Okay, so it's yeah, hotting up in the Luxembourg. Yeah, league, there you so. go. If you want, if you want a title racing, they can be found <laughs> somewhere. So as well as in Syria, you've got yeah. title racing Luxembourg. Oh, um, yeah, that's really good. Well, let's uh, mix it up a bit. Um, on Friday night, then, I thought we'd jazz it up by talking about the Polish League. This is the one game that I pulled out here. It's uh, Legia Warsaw versus Wisła Krakow. So, Andy, if I say those two club names, do you kind of reminisce of past glories of those two sides? Um, do you think of, like, Maciej Zurawski scoring lots of goals past Parma or, you know, Legia losing, I think it was 8-2 to Real Madrid one night, I think it was. I can't remember. It was some really random night that um, Roy Keane kind of said on the Champions League summary, it looked like Fred's, uh, Wright said Fred were defending at the back or something <laughs> like that. Um, seems to remember. It was either Real Madrid or it was Dortmund. I can't remember. It's one of those sides that they scored like stupidly loads of goals. But anyway, that's the context. You remember potentially those sides anyway. Well, these two sides are kind of in a relegation battle at the moment. So Legia are currently 17th, so second from bottom. They've got 19 points. And Wisła Krakow are just above the relegation zone in 15th uh, with 22 points. So They're two, is... two of the best supporting clubs in Poland, aren't they? Yeah, much. so, you know, Legia, I'd kind of describe them as like a Man United because that's their popularity within kind of Poland. If you're not within Warsaw, then certainly around kind of most parts, I would say kind of associate as Legia as being one of their sides. And then you've got Wisła Krakow. Um, yeah, they've dropped like a stone in recent years. They've not been very good. Um, I'd describe them like the Arsenal, I suppose, to an extent, because they were always challenging there. They're good seasons. Um, had really good spells in Europe at one point. And um, yeah, just investment, just was pulled essentially and that's why why they are in the position that they are but yeah that's a very interesting game i'd say so if you really want to see some random football legia versus uh visa krakow that's the game you have to watch this weekend uh, both teams terrible in style of football so <laughs> yeah don't have your expectations really high for this one um but also in italy we've got ac milan versus udinese so it should be a relatively straightforward match for AC Milan. Um, having said that, I did the minute by minute on Sunday night with Udinese in Lazio and Udinese had a good a result there. And Genoa also take on Inter. So Inter, again, this could be a good game to kind of win and get some or start some momentum, should I say. Um, moving into Saturday, we've got Brentford versus Newcastle. Andy, I mean, that's going to be a very interesting game because I think Brentford need to get some points on the board. Newcastle in form right now. I uh, don't know what yeah, your thoughts on that Newcastle have definitely got the momentum because I think, yeah. as we've said on the pod a few times, um, 
Brentford can't seem to buy a goal at the moment. Yeah. And I think the lack of quality, you know, Brentford are one of those teams, a bit like Leeds, where the collective was always bigger than the individuals they had of the team. Yeah. But I think, unlike Leeds, they don't have, apart from even Tony, who hasn't been on form for a while, they don't really have two or three top, you know, Premier League class players who can bail them out the shit. Um, you know, if you just look at players man to man, they are in a little bit of trouble. I think, you know, tactically they're quite sound, but ultimately having just having quality there to compete um, will be a big thing for them. So, yeah, it's certainly, as the cliche goes, a six pointer. Yeah, definitely. And the side that Man City might be getting a lot of goals past is Everton. So, Everton <laughs> at home for this one is a 5 30 kickoff on Saturday. Um, this is what I mentioned earlier by the fact of, look, Everton lost to Southampton, a game that they should have got a point, I would say, or try and get a point. Obviously, Southampton, great form anyway, but they're not going to get points out of this match. I can't see it myself. No. Andy, yeah. No. Fair enough. We'll move on to Sunday then. We won't We won't dwell on that. We'll talk about that next week, definitely. Um, in Serie A, we've got Lazio versus Napoli. Interesting match because, yeah, I don't expect that to be foregone conclusion for Napoli. And then I suppose in England, we've got Chelsea versus Liverpool in the EFL Cup. Uh, that's a 4.30 kickoff. Um, which way are you fancying for this one? Sorry, say that again. This Chelsea versus Liverpool. Uh, where do you think this is going to go? Ooh, I think Chelsea. Um, you know, I think Liverpool will probably put out a second string side. Like They've never really had much fondness for the domestic cup competitions and mm. I think I know it sounds like an intangible thing but I think Chelsea would be a little bit more up for it because uh, yeah. they're not going to win the league this season uh, they, they, I think they'll need to get a trophy under their belts um, so I think I'd back Chelsea for that one to be honest mm, I think I will go with Chelsea but I don't know if I feel like Liverpool have got a bit more form on their side at the moment but yeah I think Chelsea obviously known for being cup winners at the moment so far so i think they'll be gunning for this one definitely um but yeah man united who they due to play this weekend andy we've got watford uh three o'clock okay. kickoff for the saturday so i mean they battered us 4-1 uh in the previous fixture uh but that was the revenge be, now that that was ollie's <laughs> last game uh yeah. so yeah i think on the face of it i'd like to think fancy i do have the quality to stick a few goals past them uh, but because it is Manchester United, anything can happen to be honest. So, um, yeah. you know, hopefully they'll just get the business done. There'll be 90 minutes of no nonsense and they can focus on the next game because after that, they've got Manchester City. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, we'll move to the end of the show. So, many thanks to you, Andy. Uh, before we conclude, as it stands, and good luck. Craig, hopefully the result went your way, but as it stands, Rangers are still losing 2-1 to Dortmund. And Andy, for your accumulator, Barcelona still winning 3-1 against Napoli and Braga still winning 2-0 against Sheriff. So, yeah, we'll uh, kind of reflect on that tomorrow, no doubt. But uh, many thanks for your contribution, Andy, for today. And if you haven't already done so, listener, make sure you subscribe to our social media channels. So on Instagram at the Hopeless Wonder Podcast and on Twitter at Hopeless Pod. Have a great weekend or week whenever you're listening to us. But see you next week where we'll be joined by Craig. So for now, take care. See you then.